Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. The term, the concept, and the practice of workforce development has been functionally around for a long time. It's one of those broad, long-time, all-encompassing issues that are, affect our community's livelihood and, of course, the future growth of any region. Welcome again to the most widely watched source of Carolina business policy and public affairs seen across the Carolinas for 29 years now. Thank you for that support. We'll dive a little bit deeper and unpack this idea of workforce development, why it's more crucial now, and what are the opportunities. We'll be joined by some of the region's most key leadership who know more than just a little bit about this issue. We hope you'll stay with us. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Dr. Tim Hardy from the South Carolina Technical College System, MC Pylon of the John M. Belk Endowment, and Dale Jenkins of Curie. Welcome again to our program, uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, Madam President, Madam Chairman, Dr. Hardy. It's good to have you all here again on the program. Dale, I'll start with you. You know, we talk about workforce development. This is, this is not a new conversation, not certainly in the last five years, but this has been an issue about bringing together, about being, uh, uh, about filling jobs, right, that right, have not right. been filled. So when we talk about workforce development, what would it look like if the Carolinas were successful at it? Well, that's a great question, and I think we can start with the attainment goal that we've established at My Future NC, which is we want 2 million North Carolinians between the ages of 25 and 44 to have a high-quality certificate or a college degree by the year 2030. We believe today that if that doesn't happen, there's going to be a skills gap of about 400,000. And so we think and moving forward, we've got to fill that skills gap, and My Future NC has been created to try to address that coming problem. How does, how does your foundation, MC, how do you think about this, this gap, this looming gap of 400,000? Is it scary and how would you define a successful closing that worker skill gap? So workforce development is really important. Um, not only is it about counties, it's about cities, it's about states, it's about the nation and an international perspective. And so coming from 130 years of, in the retail mm -hmm. business in 17 Southeast states, educating and upskilling your workforce is the most critical component to the community and to businesses. And so trying to think about 
how our nation and our state looks at educating an intentional path for all citizens and from birth to um, higher ed because they're all going into the workforce. Mm -hmm. This is an industry, mm -hmm. it's the end consumer. And so making sure we have an intentional path. So the, right. to, to, to launch off all of that, Tim, what, uh, same, same question. How do we define it if it were successful instead of saying, well, we've got this huge gap, what would it look like if we were good at it? I think what it looks like for both North and South Carolina is for existing industry to be at a place where the workforce allows them to expand and grow. They, it's critical for our existing industries to uh, simply be able to check the box of we have a skilled and ready workforce when the time comes for us to grow and expand uh, into our market that, that we have. I, I think what uh, benefits us as a region, both North and South Carolina, is all the work that's being done by higher education and other entities to meet that skills uh, gap that currently exists, but success looks like our industries being successful. We certainly want to attract new industries to come to both states. Um, one of the first questions that comes when we have the ability to attract a new industry is how do you answer the skilled workforce question that exists, but just the expansion piece for our existing industries needs to happen. You know, the region of the Carolinas, when you look at it, and it's not going to be a surprise to any of you, that the, the, the in-migration here is off the charts, and especially when you compare it to other places in the country. So if there are so many more professionals, families, individuals moving into the Carolinas, and we've got that gap, I can't imagine what it would be like in other places. And Dale, back to you. So what, I mean, what is it that's holding back the people with good credentials filling jobs that need those credentials? Are they just not there? Well, I think, I think there is a mismatch today. You know, I, I grew up in Rutherford County, you know, not too far from here. And uh, in the 60s and 70s, you know, the landscape was dotted with textile mills and furniture factories. Today, those jobs have been displaced to other parts of the world. And so the jobs that are being created today demand different skills, different tr trades, different, different uh, knowledge. And so that's what we are all about, I think, as we move into the future, is trying to match you know, the jobs that are being created with the skills that the workers have. You know, you, we, we talked earlier about what the goal here is. One of the goals for me is to help individuals reach their potential. You know, we have, we have a talented group of people in North Carolina, mm -hmm. in South Carolina. We have people moving here that have tremendous potential so if we can properly educate them and match them to those great jobs that are being created, that's a way to define success. And I think there's a great opportunity for us to do that over the next you know, five to 10 years. Is, is it about money, MC? Is it about legislation? Is it, is it just that people don't know and don't know how to plug in? I think um, my future NC is a talent development strategy. And it's really not about money. It's about having conversations across sectors. We need everyone at the table to be thinking about what their company needs are, what their talent workforce looks like. Um, it, just in the retail industry, we've lived through Made in America and the pride that it produced. Mm -hmm. We also um, saw jobs going overseas and we saw how that directly impacted our states in the Southeast. But we also are feeling in real time how technology is changing every industry. And so things are moving so quickly. We need to have, and that's one of the benefits of my future, is having our state's education 
institution leaders at the nexus of this work, so they're on the same page talking about their strategies, their budgets, and their programs, and trying to intentionally create a plan. Do, you know, that's a good point. Do the educational leaders, and not to single anyone out, but I, 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 could, I, I could list them, do they understand, I, I know they understand the situation of the worker skills gap, I get that. Do they know how to access it? Do they, they, do they understand the DNA of this dialogue we're having right now? They're all in. And um, if they weren't at the center of this work, it, it really wouldn't work. And so by having them at the table, they are able to say what their institution needs are and it, how there's a mismatch between the human supply and demand of what is needed for jobs and the education and upskilling that's required. And so to have them at the table listening and being engaged is really critical. So, so Dr. Hardy, you're one of those educational leaders. Um, where's the mismatch? Where's the dysfunction that this gap is not being filled if, if you have a budget, and probably not the full budget you want, but you have the resources, so where this, where's the disconnect? Well, I think there are times when it's, it's, you mentioned it's not necessarily the money aspect. I think it's using the money you have wisely. And in South Carolina, uh, the last legislative session, our legislature uh, made the decision to invest in what we would call, a, in a sense, a sector strategy. Of, uh, they produced a SCWIN, South Carolina Workforce Industry Needs Scholarship, that was geared towards the idea of if we have a shortage of nurses and welders and advanced manufacturing, let's invest as a state into encouraging people to go into those career fields. So they're, in essence, incentivizing uh, the citizens of South Carolina to go into the career fields where we have shortages, thereby producing more graduates of the programs where we uh, potentially have needs. So I see that as a good investment on the part of the legislature. They appropriated $17 million in South Carolina for the intent purpose of... In this session? In, in this session. This current just session. completed. We are enrolling students this fall in those programs, and we hope to see, obviously, more students going into the programs where we have shortages that have been identified uh, for South Carolina. Is that, and, and forgive me for asking it this way, is that, is that the early college program? That, it's a little bit different. You, you're talking early college is what we do. South Carolina, we tend to call it dual enrollment. Dual enrollment. It's high school students that are getting an early start on a career field, certainly a great cost saving for parents and students. Uh, they sort of merge together in, in a sense. The dual enrollment is for any high school student. The SC Wins programs could be for a high school student to go into those career fields. Also could be for a 45-year-old that wants to become a nurse in South Carolina. Okay. How do we financially uh, assist you in this idea of I want to start a second career and become a nurse or become a welder or whatever that looks like? We, we simply want to encourage more South Carolinians to go into the career fields where we've identified those shortages. What, what's the biggest arrow in your quiver at My Future NC? Is it the early college? Is it, is it some other type of legislation or, or strategy? Well, I think, it, I think it goes back to what we were talking about here, and that is we have the right people at the table. One, one of the things I've always felt was inappropriate in, in our state in North Carolina is that the structure of education isn't quite right. I mean, we have silos, we have K-12, we have community colleges, we have higher education, and each of those are we doing great work. We have you a state board. We have a state board. Department of Public Instruction. We've got multiple community college boards, on and on and on. And so my future in C is 
a really a, a strong attempt to bring those education sectors together and have a strong sense of collaboration so that you know, Mark Johnson knows what Peter Hans is doing. Peter Hans knows what Bill Roper is doing. You know, Bill Roper and Hope Williams at the you know the private schools are working together. So, that collaborative effort, I think, is something unique and different. We've not had that at least in in my in in, in the time I've been involved in education in North Carolina. So, I think that has a real, real uh, differentiating make make difference maker going forward that we have the right people mm -hmm. at the table and we can break those silos down so that they can begin to talk about what each other is looking for and each other needs in order to, to achieve success within their own respective segments. MC, do you see My Future NC as being a convener for all of, as, as Dale just described it? Yes, I really think My Future NC is um, just a resource for the state. It allows us to have a statewide goal that um, really provides purpose and sort of a common language for, for all the different silos that Dale was talking about. And so, you know, I think the real magic is that my future NC was based off of listening sessions mm -hmm. across the state of getting um, into counties and finding out what their strengths and what their opportunities were. And so, and it's based off of a, a data-driven goal. But I think the real magic will be um, in taking the state-led goal and customizing it and constructing for the 100 counties local goals to empower the local communities to to do this work successfully. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, are, you know, I, 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 I'm not even know how to ask this question, but how does, can, can, could North Carolina, can North Carolina do that? Can South Carolina bring everyone together, give up a little power, knowing that if, as you described, the different uh, silos, would you be willing, and I know this puts you on the spot, but would you be willing to give up some power and control if it were to benefit the educational system more broadly as they described it in North Carolina? I think the answer has to be yes. I think what we have to do is look at what's best for the citizens uh, of both North and South Carolina. And operating in those silos has not been successful for us. So why would we continue uh, with that? We it's critical for us to, in South Carolina and in North Carolina, for the K-12 system to actually be seamless to move to our community colleges and technical colleges. And at the same time, in South Carolina, I work closely with Bobby Hitt, the Secretary of Commerce. Right. We have to navigate that as he's attracting industry to South Carolina, the technical colleges have paved the way for the workforce that's gonna match with mm -hmm. the industry that he's trying to attract. So we have to be at the same table. Um, otherwise, we've quite frankly wasted a lot of taxpayers' dollars uh, that we can't afford to do in either state. I think right. Secretary Hitt, it's not about my opinion, but Secretary Hitt's an important proponent of things that do work together in North Carolina. Uh, Dale, I wanna come back to this idea. So as you propose these ideas that are good ideas and been accepted by a lot of people, it's also going to empower the General Assembly to look at funding all of this in right. a different way. And a great right. way is early college is already up against maybe a little headwind because the General Assembly in North Carolina says, well, wait a minute, it's, it's dual funding education in some ways. We're giving right. money to community colleges, technical colleges, as well as those public schools. So as you make this proposal, as My Future NC is, is bringing together all of this, what is the risk and what is the strategy that you work through to say, well, we don't want to lose funding. Yeah. We want to be more strategic and thoughtful about it. 
Is that fair to say? It's a, it's a fair question, and, and one of the, again, one of the exciting things is we have, you know, a state senator, a state house member at the table on our board that can be part of the decision-making process that we go through and then take information back to the his or her colleagues in the General Assembly to enact the policies and then the funding that we need in order to make things happen. I'm sort of like Tim in some respects. It may not be more funding. It may be reappropriating funds. It may be looking at funds flow in a different way than we've looked at it in the past. You know, in, in businesses, we've all gone through a period of disruption. We've mm -hmm. tried to change our businesses to, to more um, adapt to the future, as MC said. And so education has to go through that same process. And so part of that is looking at how things get funded. You know, in the community colleges in North Carolina, we were funding disproportionately technical training versus what I'll call college preparatory training. And so we have to look at ways that we can, we can put the money where we need to, to, to incent folks to do the things we need them to do. You know, recently in Wake County, they've talked about starting to pay people to go into uh, certain courses in community colleges, for example, welding and plumbing and things like that. And send them through pay? And send them through pay in Wake County. So there are, there are good ideas out there. What we've got to do is coalesce those ideas. We've got to beg, borrow, steal. We've got to copy uh, what other people are doing so that we look at funds flow, we look at incentives so that we get the outcomes that we, we think are important. So MC, do you, do you get, the, and this is partisan politics aside, any General Assembly, whether they were dominated by a Republican or Democrat, do you get the sense that if, if someone like the John M. Belk Foundation is funding this, then they look at it as a way to say, well, this is a way for the public, the, or the private sector to step up to the plate and for us to drop some of our funding. We can start pushing that out and, and going to the nonprofits and the private sector. Do you think there's a risk of public dollars to be withheld from education because of all these changes that are going on? Um, that's a great question. Um, what we're most excited about is that My Future in C was created by voices across North Carolina and those are their constituents. And so, you know, it's not what we think is right. It's from people that are living in our state. And so what is best for them, like you were saying? And a lot of, um, a lot of the localization of how this gets operationalized, um, well, I think will really be led by community college presidents like you. They're so critical. They have the largest market share of opportunity and they, they touch everything. They touch the K-12 space. And so, you know, I think you have to look at the data. The data on early colleges is, is unbelievable in the positive direction. Um, they also touch returning adult population, which is really um, something that is vitally important for southeastern states. Um, that's just what I know. I'm sure it is for others. But um, that's where a large part mm -hmm. of our population is. But then they also have these amazing partnerships with business and industry that I know we've talked about that y'all yeah. have done some great opportunities with and all three of these are critical and these and they also have the voices of their community and so they're touching every aspect and so you know I think just having the conversations and sharing what they know with the General Assembly is the best that we can hope for. D Dr. Hardy you know as we've talked about we foundational leaderships or corporate leaderships, and I'm not just singling you, you both out, but is there a way to bring to bear the success, as MC just described, the, the success of the early colleges and the opportunities that parents and kids, students, 
could have and know about. Is there a way to bring that to bear to make that even more compelling to where you can't say no to that kind of success? Well, I think what we have about 14,000 high school students in the state of South Carolina that are in early college dual enrollment programs right. through our technical colleges. The, the benefit there is we're all aware of the high cost yes. of higher education in both North and South Carolina. If you can take a student while they're in high school and that, let's just say they earn a semester's worth of credit while they're in high school and the way we package it in South Carolina, it's at no cost to the parent or student. Do they know you, that? Uh, they, they I know mean, the that. ones that it's, aren't in the system that are considering right, it, do they know it's that powerful? It, it's continued to grow at a rapid pace okay. because of we've priced it to where it's mm -hmm. affordable for, for certainly the students and the parent. But the benefit there is if you can then in turn, those students that go to a four-year institution, whether that's Clemson, South Carolina, Atlanta, or whatever in, in the state of South Carolina, they're no longer a six-year person to graduate. They can, they can graduate in four years because they have a head start. They have less student debt. We, we've benefited the state because we've narrowed that window of the time it takes you to earn a degree and become a tax-paying citizen uh, from that standpoint. So why not spend that money on the front end to get students into the pipeline of higher education and have less student debt for students on the back side? We really got to change that conversation because you know today you know you've talked to people about you know their children coming along and saying I want them to graduate from high school I want them to go to a four-year college and then they'll start their careers well we've got to change that dialogue so that people recognize there are many good careers that don't require a four-year college degree, and that you can begin your college education while you're still in high school. Okay. So that that is on us. I think that is on us as parents, that is on us in the business community, as well as educators, to really change the, the narrative and really to, to promote, to market, that there are multiple ways you can in have essence, a career. It's a message of opportunity. It's a, yes. it's a message yeah. of hope and opportunity. Well, then how do, you, how, do, how do you change it, Dale? I mean, you've been around this long enough to know how to bring people together. How do you do that? Well, I think, I think, you, uh, I think the business community needs to step up. You know? And what, what does that well, look like? Well, that, that means that I think you have to have business leaders that engage with educators. And I think you have to create easy pathways for that to happen. Because we run our businesses, we're busy doing that, we're busy developing strategy for the future, we're busy developing operational excellence in our companies. And so when an issue comes up, when we need a specially trained individual or we need a special program to support our businesses, we've got to have an easy button, I think, to go to a community college or go to a university or go to our local high school and say, how do we plug in and help you understand the needs we have in the business community? So I think I think I put a little bit of onus on the business community to step up and, and engage more proactively with educators. And then on the education side, for them to create easy pathways for us to do that. So, you know, central call numbers, central a, a, a repository of individuals that you could call to make it easy for me to access. So there is that effort of collaboration I think we can improve. It's like an ownership on piece on both exactly. sides in reality. Yeah. An example of that in South Carolina, we have a youth apprenticeship program that we work with business and industries, but we have students that are current high school students that are on a pathway to, they're, they're enrolled at a local technical college in our dual enrollment program, but they're also but have a mentor. But it doesn't have to be dual enrollment. Right, sure. but it's, they have a mentor at a local business and industry that serves as a youth apprenticeship model, so they're not only getting educational experience, they're getting real world experience at the same time. And that takes a partnership with both the education institution 
and that business and industry right. to, but the business and industry sees it as a way to recruit a good employee. Exactly. If you exactly. win, and we're, we've got about a minute left, if you win a CEO or a small business owner that says, oh, I, this is not as hard as I thought it would be. Yeah. If you win them over, are they convert for life? So it's just a matter of getting in front of them, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that once, you, once they understand the issue, can you, are they in the game for good? You know, I think, there, I think there is some truth to that. I think, you know, once you, once you create the pathway, once you see, uh, show them that there is a way that they can connect with the local education community and get positive results, then I think you've, you've built a bridge that's sustainable, that, that'll be there forever, and that that pipeline will continue. Now, the business needs are gonna change. So, you know, what we need today may be different 10 years from now. And so you've gotta have that continuum, otherwise, you know, you're just a kind of a flash in the pan. So I think I think it will be a, a sustainable. And as educators, we have to be flexible enough to meet those changing That's needs. That's right. Well, just we don't we don't even know what job I and mean, the jobs in 2030. Some of them haven't been created today. Right. So we don't know the skills that are going to be required. So you've got to have some process, some methodology that you can continue to have conversations to make sure we are training mm -hmm. people appropriately. We, we we literally have about 20 seconds left. Are, MC, are you pretty optimistic that people are businesses? the leadership is starting to understand this? Yes, and to your point, I think you get a, a business CEO and they're in it for life, they get it. I mean, we've got Dr. Jim Goodnight who has led the state in this with early childcare. And he knows a little something so, about, about success. Staff. So yeah, that's good. <laughs> Thank you. So. It's good to see you. you too. Tim, good to see you. Pleasure. They always nice <laughs> to have you on the program. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for watching our program. Uh, until next week, I'm Chris William. We hope your business and your weekend is good. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Bearings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.org.